A reading from Mark's Gospel, starting at chapter 4, verse 30. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. When he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Very nice to see you. Well, what I can see of you. Lovely to be together. And um, I should look up to the camera and say good morning. If it is morning, whatever time of day you're watching us, it's lovely to think that you're connecting with us here at St. Michael's. Let's pray that God would speak to us from the scriptures. Would you join me in, in prayer for a moment? Father God, we thank you for the gift of scripture. And we pray, Lord, that you quieten our minds and you give us focus and lead us by your Holy Spirit into your company. We pray that you'd instruct us. Show us, Lord, how we can grow in you and take the thoughts and words I prepared and use them, please, for your glory and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, my topic this morning is to try and answer a question. Can we come through COVID times stronger? Can we? Can we come through these difficult times stronger? And I want to start with the very first reading that we had, the well-known parable of the mustard seed. You remember that story that Jesus tells? And he tells us that it's a story about the kingdom of God. And he says that this smallest of all seeds can become something extremely significant. And what he's telling us here in a nutshell is in God's kingdom, just like in human life, growth 
is part of what it means to be healthy. That encapsulates the point of that story about the mustard seed. Now, yesterday morning, if uh, you could have seen what I was up to, not for very long, probably for all of uh, four minutes, but it seemed to me like four hours, I was sitting on our kitchen floor playing with my great-nephew, who is just about a year old. And for all of about four minutes, he was perfectly happy playing with plastic uh, cups and a set of car keys. But I'm not expecting that in five years' time he will be perfectly happy with that arrangement. Why not? Because he will have grown up, of course. That's what we expect in a normal, healthy human life. And it's the same with kingdom life. Normal, healthy kingdom life involves growing up. The kingdom itself is growing where it's healthy. And for the kingdom to grow healthily, you and I have got to grow because we're kingdom people. The kingdom might sound rather an abstract concept, but it's made up of people, God's kingdom people, you and me. And if God's kingdom is going to grow, then the people of God have to grow. And that's what this talk is about. How can we ensure that we are growing up when we come out of COVID. And as I was reading the passage about the parable of the mustard seed, I noticed the link that Mark gives it to the incident in the boat. He says, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable. And when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. And it struck me, actually, that what happens next in the book of Mark, we're told that very same day, is itself a kind of parable of how we grow. And we're going to look this morning at three separate incidents. And each one has got at least something to say to us, I think, about how we can grow and come through well. And the first one is the incident you had just read to you, and it's well known, the story of the calming of the storm. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And just to remind ourselves of the facts here, uh, we find Jesus in a boat with the disciples. And Mark tells us they weren't the only boat on the lake. There were other boats coming alongside them. And clearly, Jesus is totally spent. He's exhausted. It's been a very long day. We know that because there's a little linking phrase, Mark says, that evening. And we know earlier in the day he's been teaching these very large crowds. He, in fact, told them the parable of the sower. And now, exhausted, spent, he tells the disciples, let's go to the other side. And with that, he lies down, Mark tells us, on a cushion, and he falls asleep. And from nowhere, from absolutely nowhere, an unexpected and furious squall springs up, as apparently can happen on this lake. And the very first takeaway from this story is this. Discipleship isn't plain sailing. Discipleship is not plain sailing in any sense of the word. And for them, and for us, this is a nasty, unwanted 
unexpected surprise. Most of what's happened to them up to now has been unexpected and surprising in an in a enjoyable way, in a good way. They'd seen things in Jesus' company they never thought they'd see. They'd seen healings, they've seen crowds, they've seen him and heard him teaching the most amazing truths. But right now, they're experiencing something he never wanted to. Even as fishermen, they're out of their depth. And they're clearly scared for their very lives. Now I know that one has to be very careful before you turn the scriptures into an allegory. So I'm very cautious about doing that. But it is fair to point out that we too, who are Jesus' followers, any disciple needs to know that there are events that can overtake you which really are storm-like. And they shake us up and they expose our frailties and our existing weaknesses just like this storm did for those disciples. Now, in everyday life, in everyday times, in what we would call normal times, individual storylines are like this all the time. And we know that, we experience that, you know, from time to time, a relative, a friend, maybe you yourself, go through something very, very testing and challenging. And for a season, you face all sorts of really difficult stuff to handle. And it's like being shaken. But what's been peculiar about these COVID times, and will go on for a little while yet, I imagine, is that we're all being shaken together. We're all experiencing what I think you could call trauma together at the same time. And that's absolutely bound to magnify the stress and the pressure that we as a society and family and individuals feel. So a rather honest place to begin when you consider the question, can we come through COVID times stronger, is to acknowledge that we start off from a weaker place than we might have wanted to. Because unquestionably, COVID has taken its toll on everyone. And I'm putting this out there, I'm acknowledging this, because if we don't take it on board, we're gonna run into trouble. I've been listening, as I'm sure many of us have, to lots of podcasts, I've read lots of articles. And really, there is common agreement that recovery begins with recognizing that we've been dragged through a lot, and still are, and how depleted we are, because we are. And it, is, it does equate this storm the disciples went through, the storm we're going through, equates, I think, to trauma very well. If you think you're terrified for your life, as the disciples were absolutely terrified for their lives, do you think they just shook it off when they got through the other side? I'm sure they didn't. And do you think that we as a community, as a country, as a church or a fellowship, are gonna just shake off lockdown when we pass a certain date and we're given back our freedoms to do something, whatever that date is. Of course we're not. We won't walk free of it for quite some time yet. We've all been knocked. If I ask this question, 
what stands out to you as you look back over the last 14 months? Some, some of you, some of us, we won't need five seconds to consider that question because there's instantly a standout thing that you identify as having hit you hard over the last 14 months or so. And what's true for us as individuals and as families is also true for organizations. So if you work in a hospital, that hospital will be trying to work out what, I don't like the phrase, but what the new normal looks like. If you work in a university, they'll be trying to work out how do we play things as we go forward. If you work in a business, whether it's a hedge fund or a retail operation or an art center, we're all groping for some glimpse of what the future will be. And so it is for us as a church too. And whatever the future is, it won't be the same as a year ago. Because none of us are the same as a year ago. We've been in this massive storm. Long after the storm was still, those disciples needed to come to terms with what happened to them. And it's the same for us. So where's the hope in this? Here we go. Jesus himself passes the first stress test. And this was it. He's asked, don't you care? Don't you care? Don't you care if we perish? The first growing point for us to come through stronger is this, to learn really in your heart of hearts, Jesus cares. But the landscape's changed, yes, for all of us. And I'm sure that if we prayed honestly, if we cried out to God honestly over the last however many months, we'd have been saying all sorts of don't you cares to God. Don't you care that a year's gone by and I haven't seen my grandchildren or my parents or my closest friend or outdoors? Don't you care that a year has gone by in which so many of my friends have died? Don't you care that in the last year my hopes have been dashed? And it's become fashionable amongst those who write religious articles to call this a lament. But actually, that's far too grand a word. It's just saying to God, why me, God? I've been robbed. I'm in a place of confusion. What's going on? I didn't know I signed up for this. And there are times when we want to say, God, how could you have let this happen? And it's important we don't skip this step. Because unless we acknowledge the way we're feeling, we won't understand the way we're behaving because one flows from the other. The disciples might have said, for goodness sake, can't we go back to where we were before we began this journey? And the answer is no, not, not possibly. The disciples can't unexperience the storm in the boat. You know, they can't say to Jesus, can't we press rewind and rewrite? No way. You have to go on from here. When you're caught up in that storm and the storm swamps you, you can't go back. There are only two ways out, I suppose, downwards or what? Don't you care? 
What, what do you want to ask God today? How would you frame that prayer, that cry from the heart? Not, it's not the eloquence or the elegance of what you say, it, it's the sincerity of what you say that will catch his attention. Let Jesus in on the action if you want to grow through this. And he will be saying to us, why are you so afraid? Don't you have any faith? Who are you trusting in right now? Deal with this baggage or you won't come out stronger. Deal with it. And remember that he is the Lord of the storm. Jesus is Lord that was the, one of the earliest creeds of the Christians. Just three words, Jesus is Lord. I, I like to think, I use this image to help me along. You know that game musical chairs where your children kind of run around and you keep taking away one seat all the time and wh whoever is sort of on, on the seat is reigning and whoever's caught without a seat isn't. Well, they don't play musical chairs in heaven. It's not like Father, Son, Holy Spirit and the devil take it in turns to see who's reigning for five minutes. Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords all the time. All the time. This is the first growth point when this comes a way of life for us. We don't like storms, of course not, we're not silly. But Jesus is Lord and we can share our hearts with him through the storm. Okay, let's move on. Another boat a different challenge and a different solution. And for those of you who follow stuff in scripture, it's coming from Matthew chapter 14. And I will recap the story and you will know it anyway. This incident happens just after the feeding of the 5,000. And we're told that Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? And we're told also that the boat runs into trouble again. Quote, the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves. And just before dawn, Jesus walks out to the boat on the water. And we're told the disciples saw him walking on the lake and they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. And Peter shouts out, Lord, if it's you, tell me to get out of the water. And Jesus says, come. And you know what happened? You know what happened. Then Peter got down out of a boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. That's in verse 29. Now, preachers and teachers pretty much have a very usual template for preaching about this incident. And the majority of them choose to hone in and magnify on the sentence when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. But instead of majoring on that, I want to invite us instead to glory in verse 29, a preceding verse. Peter got down out of a boat and he walked on water and he came towards Jesus. And for a moment, perhaps a few moments, Peter achieved something absolutely glorious and I don't think we should allow his imminent decline to overshadow his moment of glory you know we are so quickly unimpressed I've got a quiz question for you and you're not allowed to shout out the answer 
but you can stick up a hand if you know the answer. Okay, so this happened on July the 20th, 1969. Does anyone know already what I'm talking about? Not quite, okay. This happens on July the 20th, 1969, and somebody says these words, they're slightly disputed, okay, one person knows already. Uh, they're slightly disputed, these words. It said, a small step for a man, he, and the author of these words said, a giant leap for mankind. Put up your hand if you know who I'm talking about. Yes, we're a very educated lot. <laughs> well, of course, this happened on the moon, and this is the first person ever to walk on the moon, Neil Armstrong. And probably you know the name, he was the first man on the moon, you probably know the name of the second man on the moon, too. And that's impressive, not that we know him, but that they did it. But we're seriously unimpressed as life goes on. So if I said 19th of December 1972, I very much doubt many, or if any, can tell me what happened then. And if I tell you it's the 11th man on the moon, can any of you put up your hand because you know his name? Hard luck, Gene Cernan, you're forgotten. You know, it's blasé. Number one on the moon, we know. Number two on the moon. Number 11 on the moon, who cares? Number one, walking on water, Jesus. Number two, walking on water, Peter. There is no number three. It's an enormous achievement. It's an enormous achievement to walk on water, even if it's only a few paces. You don't think so? I think so. If, if, don't you think Peter in his old age would go to his grandchildren around and said, let me just tell you about a glorious five minutes. I walked on water. Now, here's the thing. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And they walked back, I imagine, towards the boat. And there in a, in a picture, just a glimpse, it, it is framed for us something that pleases the Father's heart enormously. It's when we walk by faith. Or to use another word, when we trust totally. That is what God is looking for in our lives. It's what gives him ultimate pleasure. It's a theme tune running through the whole of Scripture. So-and-so lived by faith, and it pleases God. And if you like, that is what God is ingraining into us with so many opportunities all the time. And in those moments when we choose to trust him, he loves it. And it's signs of us growing up. And I'm sure of this. There will be areas in each and every one of our lives where Jesus invites us, even today, to get out of the boat and to walk to him. And we feel frail and we feel inadequate for the task and we don't know what's going to happen, but he says, trust me, trust me, trust me. That is what discipleship is. That is, is like, if you like, it's an ongoing career choice when you're a disciple to learn, 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 to grow, 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 so that the kingdom can grow. Now, oftentimes these opportunities to trust him come in a form we wouldn't have chosen. You know, the times when you, you know you're powerless, when you know you're out of your depth, when you know that you can't influence a situation, 
So in a sense, that's when you turn to God and say, God, help, help, help. I'm, I need you now. And sometimes that's when someone's ill, maybe you're ill or you're unemployed or you're suffering. But it's not just those occasions. Because the scriptures speak to us so often of God saying to us, this is the way you're to live. This is the path for my chosen people. And it's narrow and there are not many people on it. And it's generally going in a counterflow system to the way everyone else is going. Will you trust me and take that path? And very often God is giving us the opportunity, not just because we're suffering and out of our depth, but the opportunity to share with others, to reach out with others, whether it's our time or our possessions or our support. Or maybe it's a career choice and are we going to take the best paid job and the most prestigious job or, or the tasks that God is calling us to, which may be none of those things. Or it might be about how we do relationships are we going to walk out our lives in God's holy and completely different way of doing relationships or just use the standards of the world? You know, God has given a slogan for us, his church. He said of the early disciples that he wanted people to look into his community and say, see how they love one another. That, that was to be like written over the door of every church, you know? See how they love one another. Well, if that's going to be true, then we're going to be out of our depth very, very quickly in trusting in him because, humanly speaking, we don't have the capacity for that. All I'm trying to point out here is you don't have to look very far in your own life, and I don't have to look very far in my life, so Michael's doesn't have to look very far in our corporate life to see that God will be saying to us, come on, get out of the boat. Trust me, stretch. I want your faith to grow. I want the kingdom to grow. Look to the Lord and be radiant, says Psalm 34, verse 7, so you'll never be ashamed. And I want to say, as I leave this point, just because I'm out of my depth or you're out of your depth doesn't mean you're beyond God's reach. That might be and will be precisely the moment that God reaches out to you and escorts you back to the bank. And if we keep this in mind, we will come through COVID stronger. And my third and last point, port of call is, yes, it's another boat incident. And it comes from very near the end, very, very near the end of John's Gospel. And it involves a boat, but there's no storm this time. In, in a way, the storm has passed. The biggest storm of their lives, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The, the big shock. And now at the very end of John's Gospel, you get this curious incident in which Peter and a few of the disciples are killing time. Apparently, Peter has taken them with him on a fishing trip, which was his old business. And we can understand that, really, because this is where he felt secure. This is where he felt solace. This is where he felt in command of what's going on. And in many ways, the most natural thing in the world, isn't it, when someone faces trauma, is to go back to the place where you feel you're in control and in command and self-sufficient. Your safe space. And this is what Peter tried, fishing. Now it's understandable but it's not obedient. 
Peter had been told to go to Jerusalem and to wait to be clothed with power from on high, the Holy Spirit. He hadn't been told to go on a fishing trip. And yet Jesus reaches out to him, shouts over the water through them in the boat, friends, haven't you any fish? And the answer was a humbling no. And he tells them, try the other side of a boat. And obviously this triggers a memory and we find Peter, the penny drops. And if you want to cross-reference it, you just have to turn to Luke chapter 5 and you can see about the very first miraculous catch of fish where Jesus has said something very, very similar, try fishing on the other side of a boat. And they had an enormous catch. And it's like Peter says and sees and acknowledges, it's the Lord. And he throws on his tunic and he jumps into the water. And what I think this says to all of us in a way is it challenges us. Has the trauma of COVID times, for want of a better phrase, helped us to retreat back into an old way of life? It would be understandable if it had. Have we gone into our shell? If we have, we need, like Peter, reminding of God's faithfulness. We need to stir up in ourselves or let Jesus stir up his faithfulness, memories of times when he's reached into your life and without question spoken to you, connected with you. You know, in Liz and I have only been here as your vicar and the vicar's wife for a very short time and it's to our regret that it's not been easy to meet with many. But over the first few weeks before lockdown fully extended its grip, we were able to meet with quite a number, a um, hundred or so, in small groups. And we invited people to tell their story, just to tell us, share with us, and we could share together how God had been faithful to us, something encouraging. And person after person uh, dug deep in their memory and shared a time when God had changed their lives for good. So I know there are plenty of testimonies, plenty of honest stories with integrity amongst us this morning of where God has in the past, without question, spoken into our lives and spoken good things. And one of the things I most enjoyed about those evenings was watching the joy of people reconnect as they remembered their stories. And that's what's happening here to Peter. It's like Jesus is saying to him, Peter, do you remember? You remember when you first went on that fishing trip with me in charge? What a huge catch of fish. I can still do that. Look, you've got 153 in the net. Now, come on. Let's get our act together and go forward. And, of course, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but, of course, Jesus knows what's going on in Peter. And he does ask him a couple of searching questions. He, he does say, do you love me more than these? And commentators aren't quite sure what he means. He might have meant, do you love me more than the boats? Is following me and building my church going to be more important to you than a fishing trip, your business? He might have meant, do you love me more than these? E.g., do you love me more than the other disciples? Sort of humbling Peter, because Peter was so brash and boastful before. And now Peter's not going to be quite so arrogant and cocksure. 
But whatever he means, he recommissions Peter and says, come on, Peter, there's work for us to do. But the kingdom to build, the world is waiting to see your example and your lifestyle and waiting to hear what you've got to say because we've got to rebuild. And I think the same is true for us. The same is true for us individually and as the community of St. Michael's. We can't go back. For better or for worse, we can't go back to before the storm. And the storm isn't even over yet anyway. But we can go forward and we can choose to trust and we can remind each other that God is in control and we can encourage one another by speaking of how faithful God has been in the past. And we can encourage each other by reminding ourselves and each other that the same Lord reigns. God is the same yesterday and today and forever. A Christian of some time ago, a man called Smith Wigglesworth, said this, great faith is a product of great fights. Great testimonies are the outcomes of great tests. And great triumphs can only come out of great trials. And when we hold on to God and he holds on to us, that becomes our story too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have not gone into despair over COVID times. And we thank you that your church doesn't need to go into retreat or in hiding or turn on you. We can turn to you and we choose to. We can say, Lord, do you care? In fact, I want to pause this prayer and just make an invitation. Normally at the end of a service, we might often offer prayer ministry, but today it's very difficult for us to do that because of the various regulations. But I would like to make an opportunity right now. If you would like to ask the Lord to draw you closer to him and to come and help you in a particular situation, I just want you to stand and I'm going to pray a general prayer that God would do that. It's like if you can complete that phrase, Lord, don't you care that? And you have a, a particular need this morning. Just stand and I will pray. Lord Jesus, you know the secrets of our hearts. And you've given us one another to support one another, to help one another, to strengthen each other. And we just pray for our brothers and sisters who are standing now and ask you to answer that question, Lord, don't you care? And you say in scripture that you can restore the years the locust has eaten. And we pray for that. We pray for your restoring strength and power. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and make a real difference. And we pray for us as your family and community that we might be able to support and encourage and strengthen one another. And we ask that we'd come through stronger in our faith with a story to tell of your faithfulness and your goodness and your loving kindness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen.